This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. We have come to our Encounter with God section where we are going to be part of the 20 million movement, all studying the same passage of the Bible on the same day. Lawson, what have you got for us with the clue for our quiz before we get into today's Bible okay, study? Okay, clue for the quiz. Here we go. Who am I? So now this guy... He's a New Testament preach in the division. Is that the same thing as like the order? He would be in the order of Abijah? Okay, run that past me again. So he's a New Testament priest from the division of Abijah. Yes. Would that be the order of Abijah? Uh, basically, the way it worked was there. by the time you come down to the time of Jesus, obviously there are a lot of descendants of Aaron mm. um, who get to be priests and minister in the temple. Everybody wants to do it, but there's too many. Yeah. So nobody gets a chance. Mm. So what they did was you would have one high priest who would work continually throughout the year, um, and then you would have orders or divisions of priests who would work for one fortnight of the year. Mm. And so his was the uh, the division of Abijah. When the division of Abijah came up, he would have his two weeks to do service in the temple. And for the rest of the year, you know, he would just uh, be like a normal Levite. Cool. Okay. This is more or less what would happen. Okay, so we know that he's in the division of Abijah. We and, know, and of course, there'd be 24 other priests that would work with him, which is interesting. Yes. You have 24 priests, 24 elders doing priestly work and a high priest in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. <laughs> there you go. Um, we also know that he has spoken about only one book in the entire Bible. Um, Luke chapter 1 tells how the lot fell on him... Um, to offer incense in the temple of the Lord. Ooh, there, there you go. So, who is this guy? Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, if you know who it is, and you will get a prize. Indeed you will. We need to go back to the book of Nehemiah. We need to continue our Bible yes. study right here. And we are particularly looking at the subject of tithes and offerings Ooh, nice. this morning. Uh, this is one of those kind of controversial subjects. We often get questions on this, in fact. You know, has is, is tithe one of those things that God still requires or is tithe something that has been done away with? Mm. Those questions are a revelation of our innate selfishness as human beings. We would not ask the question as to whether God required tithes or not if we were returning more than... 10% of our increase to God. That would not be a relevant question if mm. you were already returning more than that. So the only reason we ask the question is because we want to return less. Mm. Uh, and, of course, you know, this is a funny thing that goes on in Christianity where anything that people don't like is Jewish. <laughs> oh, oh Jewish. that is a controversial statement. It is. If they don't, Like, it's, 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 the, it's the Sabbath. Oh, that's Jewish. You know, whenever they come across... Why anyone would dislike the Sabbath, I have no idea. But you have people who dislike something, and it's always Jewish. When there's something that they like, marriage, for instance. <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never seen someone at a wedding get up and say, you know, we really shouldn't be having this ceremony today because, you know, this is a, a Jewish thing. Uh, and, of course, marriage... 
well, the Sabbath predates marriage. Mm. Um, you know, it was given to humanity at the same time as marriage. Mm. And so both of these things come from, you know, a land, un- a-, a world untainted by sin. Mm. But we do have this knee-jerk reaction like, oh, we don't like the Ten Commandments. They're Jewish. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why doesn't anyone like the Ten Commandments? What, what, what is there to dislike about the Ten Commandments? Yeah, it's like, what did the Ten Commandments do to and you? And what's wrong with Jewish things anyway? Oh, Unbelievable. Man. The world in which we live. Wild. It, it, it does my head in. Uh, if you've got some thoughts on this, our number is 1-800-324-843. While mm. I'm throwing that out, I just want to uh, mention that um, during the interview, we had a listener who called in, Wayne, who wanted to share his testimony. And uh, yeah, he was feeling sort of you know down and discouraged mm. in a really, a really dark place at one particular time. And he went to the Lord in prayer and he w- had an instant reply to his prayer. Just God just came to him. He was given peace. He was given wow. happiness in his life. And he mm. just wanted to get called up and to share that with us and to have us share that with our listeners uh, because, you know, just to encourage everybody that God is there. God is real. God does care for us. And, you know, God speaks to different people in different ways. And God certainly spoke to him in a very, very powerful and significant yeah. way right here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, we are going to look at, um, I thought we were looking at Nehemiah here, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we might have read the verses in Nehemiah yesterday that actually talk about the restoration of the temple services, including the implementation of tithes and offerings. Mm. So what we're going to do today is this. We're going to ask the question, when Nehemiah reinstituted the system of tithes and offerings so that the ministry of the Levites could continue, what relevance does that have for us today? Mm-hmm. Uh, is tithes and offerings a part of the Mosaic law? And when we talk about the Mosaic law, we're talking about the law that was established by Moses. So the objection often arises that the tithes and offerings were a part of the law of Moses, therefore... Uh, they have been done away with at the cross because the law of Moses was done away with at the cross. Yeah, and there, there are some logical pe- reasons that people give to that. They say that, you know, oh, well, the Levites don't exist anymore. You know, we don't have an order of a priesthood. So therefore, you know, we don't need to pay tithe because we don't need to support those particular people because they don't exist. You know, we're in the Christian church. We don't have a, a priesthood. Well, we're all the priests. Okay, priesthood of all believers. You know, we are all uh-huh. the priests. So it's like, oh, well, then... Do we need to support anyone? Okay, but the tithe was more than just to support the priest. It supported all of the Levites. Mm. So that included, you know, your ministers, your teachers, your people who would, you know, lead out in the synagogues, your um, your spiritual leaders, your counselors, um, and even your aid workers within the community. Mm. And then some people would say to that, like, oh, hey, well, the Levites, you know, as we saw in, in Nehemiah, they're not allowed to work. So how else are they going to be supported? Whereas, you know, God hasn't really put that restriction on us today. So therefore, you know, what's the what's the go? Are we looking at like, oh, this isn't needed anymore because everyone has the opportunity to go and work? Ah, some good some good questions here. Mm. I would say in reply to that that there was no law against the Levites working. When Levites worked, they did not break the law. Mm. Uh, they did do that which was unnecessary. It was unnecessary if God's plan had been followed when God... God's plan was not followed. It was necessary to their survival. Mm. <coughs> but it was not illegal for them, so to speak, 
to be working. And the ideal was that they worked full time in gospel ministry. Yeah. Okay, so how far back in the Bible do you think you would need to go to find the origin of the system of tithe? And, and, and we're going to look at what exactly tithe and offerings are. How far back in the Bible? Like how, you know, are you going back to Exodus, you think, or Leviticus, or Deuteronomy? I mean, these are the books of Moses. Uh, which, which, which book will have the first reference, do you think, to the subject of tithe? Genesis. Okay, so that's the, that's the very first book of the Bible. So you're going back a long, yeah. long, long way. Genesis. Right, so you're predating. So yes. what you're doing is you're predating mosaic the Mosaic law. law. Exactly. All right. Okay. By how much are you going to predate the Mosaic law? Um, in this particular case, it'd be you know over 400 years. It'd be over 500 years. Over 500 years. Yeah. Yeah, because Moses, of course, was like an old dude when the the law was written down. He was like right. super old. So yes. Okay. So I'm going to say it's Genesis mm. chapter 14 verse um 20. 20. And what's significant about this is that not only does this predate the Mosaic law, but it predates by a very, 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 very long time the birth of Levi yeah. himself. Wow. You can't have Levites when Levi hasn't even been born. Mm. This is long, long, long before that. And the system of tithe was alive and it was in place and it was practiced long before, you know, the Levitical priesthood and the, the system of Levites came along. Okay. So here's, here's a couple of points right here. You're going to find it in Genesis chapter 14, um, the first mention of tithe. It is not an institution of tithe. It is a record of the practice of tithe, mm. which implies that the institution of tithe has it's been around happened, for a yeah. long time before that. Um, that's the first thing. So this is has got nothing to do with the law of Moses mm. whatsoever at all in any way, shape, or form. The second thing, of course, it has nothing to do with just supporting the Levites. It is the principle of supporting the ministry that is being established right here. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so if this predates the Levites and it predates, um, you know, the Levitical priesthood that comes through Aaron, etc., and it is based on a principle rather than um, a specific system of a specific time, then the implication would be that while ever the principle remains, the system remains. Mm. So if we come down to our day, we ask ourselves the question, do we have Levites today? No, we don't. Do we have priests today? No, we don't. But do we have people who are involved in full-time ministry? The answer is yes, we do. Mm. And so the assumption would be, based on Genesis chapter 14, where Abraham is returning tithe to Melchizedek, who is you know is not even a Hebrew person, mm. uh, but he is a minister of God. Then the assumption is that this is a principle that goes across you know right across all generations of all time that God expects those who are involved in full time ministry to have uh, an income and not have to work, that they can dedicate themselves to the work of the ministry. We're going to find that out as we continue through. The next thing that we're going to look at is um, what is tithe? When we talk about tithes and offerings, what is tithe and offering? 
Uh, typically, people understand the concept of offering very, very clearly. Very, you know, that's like when the when the hat goes around, when the plate goes around, whatever it might be. Uh, we've got a lot of um, money being raised for people for you know various um, illnesses and issues, and and particularly for the bushfires right now. Very good friends of ours who lost their their home in the bushfire over the weekend, um, and so there's a lot of people out there that are. You know, and, and this is where offerings come in. Mm. Offerings can be used for a very, very wide variety of charitable purposes. And so they should be. The Bible doesn't give a specific amount. The Bible doesn't say, okay, this is how much you return in tithe. Uh, sorry, this is how much you return in offering. It just says, you know, just give as your heart sees fit. Mm. Okay. Then we go to... Then we go to tithes and we need to find out, well, what does the word tithe mean? Do you know what the definition for the word tithe is? It's it's the word tenth, right? It's just it's, the word tenth. That's it. Go to Leviticus chapter 27 and we're going to read verse 30 and 32. And this will give you a little bit of insight how tithes were returned during the time of Moses. So Leviticus chapter 27 and we will note verse 30, 31, 32, please. Okay, Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value, plus 20%. Count off every tithe animal from your herd and flock and set them apart for the Lord is holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be brought back. Okay, so there you go. It's a fairly simple system. Um, And the word that is actually used here, your modern translation calls it um, a tenth, um, but it's actually the word tithe. Yeah. And so you can read it more or less like this, all the tithe of the land, all the tenth of the land. It's the same thing. Tithe, tenth, same word. And essentially what that is is a tenth of your increase. We're going to talk about how that is calculated in um, just a moment. In fact, in fact, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. There's an important principle here that we do need to note in relationship to returning tithe. So that's Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Um, and we need to look at, you know, how, how, how do you actually, how do you calculate it? When do you return tithe? What do you return tithe on? Etc. All right. What have you got for us there, Lawson? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Okay. So here we have God stating that we are to honor him with our wealth and mm-hmm. with the best of what we produce. Now, um, the we ask ourselves, okay, was what what is what is the Bible actually talking about here? How do you honor God with your wealth? Was there a system in place for doing so? And the system that was in place for doing so, of course, was the system of tithes and offerings. Mm. And so, you know, the Bible says, honor God you with your wealth. How do you do that? Well, you honor him by returning your tithes. By the way, some people use the word paying tithes. There's no such thing as paying tithes. That's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. You can't pay something to God. Um, you can return something to God because everything that we have comes from God mm. as a gift from God. 
okay, so where were we up to? Let me just read that one from my translation in uh, chapter 3 and verse 9. This is, Honor the God with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. Mm. Two principles right here. First principle is that this is the first thing we do when we receive our increase. The second principle is that tithe is not returned based on turnover. It is returned based on increase. Mm. Increase is what you call profit. And that's going to be different from a wage earner to a businessman or business person. So for a wage earner, your wage is your increase. Every time you get a wage, you receive increase. Mm. And so you simply return tithe on your increase. Um, and the Bible says you return you return that tithe on the first fruits of your increase. In other words, you do that first. So in other words, you don't get your increase and start taking the bills out. Mm. So you take out your electricity bill, you take out your tax bill, you take out your uh, registration bill, you take out your insurance bill, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what's left over, let's say you've got $100 left over, it's like, okay, I'm going to return tithe on that $100. No, you start with $1,000 that you had beforehand, you return tithe on that, and then you uh, pay your other bills. Mm. Okay, so that's how it works with a wage earner. With a business person, of course, um, if they're a smart business person, they're going to be drawing a wage from the business anyway. Mm. And then at the end of the year or at whatever given time it might be, they then the business makes a profit and they then decide what to do with the profits. Mm. If they choose to take those profits and apportion those profits to themselves, which is the purpose of a business. That's what you're supposed to do with a business at some particular point. You might just turn it back into the business to keep growing the business, but at some particular point, the whole idea of being in business is so that you can apply profits to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, at the point where you apply those profits to yourself, they become your increase. Mm-hmm. And that's what you return tithe on. So you're returning tithe on what you personally receive. And so whatever you're turning money back into the business, of course, uh, you are not um, returning tithe on what's turned back into the business. You return tithe on the portion that you receive as an individual. That is your wage. Uh, there are, of course, um, some people like, oh, do we do we return tithe on, on turnover? No, if you turn tithe on, tithe on turn, you turnover and you're in one of these businesses where the profit margin is less, less than 10%, then mm. clearly you're going to go backwards very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that would be a... A very foolish thing to do. What I have seen, though, is um, on occasion where some businesses have uh, have returned a business tithe, mm. which is separate from their personal tithe, and that's um, you know, obviously not required in Scripture, but a uh, a great principle to abide by. Mm. Um, and you know, people, God, God blesses people. The next thing that we need to look at on this subject is what is it that tithe is to be used for. Mm. So some people look at tithe as being just kind of broad. Whatever it does something good, that's all that's required. Yeah. And when it comes to offering, offerings, that is the case. Pretty much God just says, do good things as a free will offering. Mm. And it's entirely your choice, your conscience as to what you do with those good things. 
We're going to go to Numbers chapter 18 and verse 21. So that's Numbers chapter 18 and verse 21. And we're going to note here uh, what it is that the tithe was specifically uh, for because God is very, very specific about the tithe. So that's Numbers chapter 18 and verse 31. You got that one for us? 21. 21. Verse 21, uh, Numbers chapter 18, the Bible says, As the tribe... As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle instead of an allotment. Sorry, instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. Okay, so what you've got here is a system where those who worked in full-time ministry received tithe so that they could focus on the work of full-time ministry. That was the Homeland Singers with the good old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves. Have you ever seen a sheave? Um, or a sheaf? 
are they are they used to to no that's a shear is used to cut the wool off a sheep. Yeah. What is a sheep? <laughs> I knew I would catch him on this one. Okay, so basically, back in the day when you harvested grain, you didn't use a uh, combine or a header. Mm. Uh, you used a sickle. Yes. Um, so you use a sickle, which is like a, a curved thing that um, you use to you know cut yeah. the grain off. Then what you would do, you would cut off big bundles of it, and you'd you'd get a piece of of uh, of, of, of you know the stalk of the grain, wrap it around that bundle, tie it in a knot, and it would be all then easy to pick up from the field mm. and cut back to where the grain would be threshed from it. Um, and that's called a sheave. And so when you're bringing the sheaves, you're bringing in the grain uh, for uh, processing into um, usable product. Well, there you go. And often, what they would do would they would be, they would stack them up in the field. So you know, we'll pile them up. You know, and they had this special way of stacking them and stack them up in the field. And then, uh, time came, you would go out and bring them all in. So it was uh, all about harvesting, bringing in the sheaves. And of course, when you're bringing the sheaves, uh, back in the day, what you would do is that a tenth of those would go to the Levites. Yeah. For the work of uh, full-time gospel ministry. All right, clue for our quiz. What do you got for us, Lawson? Quick. Okay, who am I? Who am I? So we know this guy. He's spoken about in one book of the Bible. Luke chapter 1 tells us um, how the lot fell on him to offer incense at the temple of the Lord. But he lost his speech because he doubted the words of the angel Gabriel. Okay. Mm. Who was struck dumb? I think the... uh KJV uses words similar to that. <laughs> Struck dumb. dumb. It's like where you can't speak, right? So it's where you can't yeah, speak. Yeah, you can't. It becomes. He a did not lose his intelligence. He lost the power of speech. Mm. Rough geek. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, went round with a slate, just writing everything down for uh, a considerable te- period of time until his speech was returned to him. Of course, if you know the answer to this quiz, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you will win a prize. Okay, where are we up to? We were in uh, Numbers, Numbers chapter 18 and we noted that the tithe was specifically set aside for those who are involved in full-time ministry. Mm. And that was so that they could stay in full-time ministry. Find an ancient nation anywhere if you can that has a system where they provided for social workers, where they provided for counsellors, where they provided for ministers on a full-time basis throughout their nation. Mm. Unheard of. This was a nation that was under the direction of God light years ahead of any other nation on the planet. Um, okay, so let's uh, see how Paul uh, uses this principle because Paul, of course, quotes from it in the New Testament. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and he references uh, tithe here. Uh, lots of people ask the question, you know, does this carry, does the principle carry across uh, from the time of Moses to the New Testament or from the time of Levi to the New Testament, I should say? And of course, tithe predates Levi and it predates a time when. You know, a tithe was not originally returned to Hebrew people. Mm. Melchizedek was not a Hebrew. Um, so let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
verse 13 and 14, please. The Bible says, um, Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get their share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Okay, this is a direct reference to what we're studying about with Nehemiah. Um, where Nehemiah had built the storehouses of the temple. These were tithe storehouses. People would bring their tithes to those storehouses. That's where the tithe would be stored and then from there distributed to the Levites so that the Levites could live. And so he says, you know, do you, don't you know that those which minister about holy things, in other words, the ministers in the nation, mm. receive the tithes that have been brought into the temple? Notice what he goes on to say. Even so, the Lord has ordained that those which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. What does yours say there in verse 14? Your it says, um, in the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yeah, exactly. And so what Paul mm. is doing, he is, he is speaking specifically about tithe. Mm. And he says, in exactly the same way, ministers in the Christian era are to be supported um, by tithe. This is actually after like quite a long passage where he's talking about, you know, he's giving adm- advice to um, the church about, yeah, the the payment of the ministers, the payment yeah. of the ministry. And he, he, like he quote, you know, you shall not muzzle an ox. That's right. And it's this whole idea that, you know, as an ox goes around with the cart on the back, you know. Um, it deserves to eat. It's it, working hard. Exactly. And there are, there are a number of churches out there that I've had experience with that, you know, there are some churches who believe, oh, like tithe shouldn't be a thing, it should just be offering. There are a number of churches who believe that ministers should work for free, um, that ministers should just be like, yeah, just can, you know, like it should, you should be supported by nothing. And I think, you know, it'd be easy to draw that conclusion or maybe make a principle out of that if you just read like one book of the Bible, which, you know, if you read Luke chapter 10 and Jesus says, go out with nothing, it's like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. But I love how Paul kind of count- counterbalances that here. He's like, look, there's a difference between voluntary missional service and, you know, years, you know, working as a full-time minister in a way. Like, there's no difference in the fact that you got, you're doing the same work, but I think it's, he, Paul creates a principle of like, yeah, people who do ministry earn a, should earn a wage like anyone else. There's also a, a whole aspect of, um, you know, in this passage right here, that Paul was a very different kind of apostle. Mm. He was self-supporting. He was out doing his own thing. He wasn't connected to the brethren in Jerusalem. Um, and as such, you know, this whole passage really in many ways is a defense of his apostleship. Mm. Where he's like, hey, I'm just as much an apostle as, you know, all of these other guys. Um, and so, you know, I think we take a very narrow view on at, at times and we try and tell people, well, you can do this with your tithe and not that. Mm. I think that tends to be unhealthy mm. and it gets people offside, particularly in today's day and age where people are very individualistic, particularly within our culture, and they like to, particularly with their money, they like to see where their money is going. They like to, you know, and so I think that um, we need to be careful that we don't overstep our boundaries and say, well, you know, the brethren in Jerusalem can receive it, but not Paul. Mm. Um, many have res- described Paul as the great example for of, uh, you know, self-sacrificing, um, self-supporting service. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's exactly who he was and what he was doing. 
Mm. Okay, let's uh, let's take a look at what Jesus had to say on the subject of tithe. Did Jesus do away with uh, tithe? Jesus didn't say a lot about it, but we need to find out whether he supported it or did away with it. He obviously had the opportunity to do away with it, and so did he take that opportunity? Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. I think the lesson that we can learn from this, of course, also is, uh, you know, some, some people return their tithe to things, you know, projects like ADRA, some to the Rotary, um, you know, and these might all be good causes or the salvos, whatever it might be. These are all good causes, but the tithe was actually specifically set aside for the work of the ministry and the charitable work should come from our offerings. So they're two different kinds of giving. They're both just as sacred as each other. Um, they are both just as required of each other. One is not more important than the other. Um, you can't rate them in that way. Um, one is not more holy than the other. One is just a specified amount and the other is not. Mm. Okay, so if we go to Matthew 23 and verse 23, please, Lawson. The Bible says in Matthew 23, verse 23, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but ignore the the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, so Jesus says something very important here. Um, he's like, okay, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're tithing your herb garden and leaving out you know, faith, justice, and mercy. Mm. Um, he says, yes, you should tithe your herb garden mm. and not leave out faith, justice, and mercy. He doesn't say, look, forget the tithing. You're going over the top here, guys. He's like, no, no, this is actually a good thing that you're doing. Yeah, Keep doing that and add this to it as well. Mm. Yeah, we're out of time. This is Grego Pile, one of our locals right here. I will bow my knee. As I walk in the shadow of your love And each step I take Help me make no mistake As I dwell in the comfort of your love And I will bow my knee Through all eternity How can I deserve
in the knowledge of your word. And I will bow my knee through all eternity. How can I deserve the blood that set me free on Calvary? How you reigned in majesty when hanging on. God can change my life. I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh Day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshiping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible study start at 10 a.m. Service at 11 a.m. And guess what? That's followed by. Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh Day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Would you like to get to know Jesus? Are you interested in learning how to study the Bible? Do you need some support and prayer for what's going on in your life? We have a local pastor in Armidale, Pastor David, who would love to support you. You can contact him by calling or texting 0430 190 101. 
That's 0430 190 101. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was Sarah Hart with What Love Has Done. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have another clue for our quiz. Nobody snapped this one up yet. Okay. So, um, yeah, we would uh, love to hear from you with the answer. Who was this mysterious person? Who am I? My wife's name is Elizabeth. Okay, who was married to Elizabeth? And do not say Prince Philip. <laughs> That would be wrong. I knew that was coming. I was like, I could see it on your face. I'm like, oh, here we go. Anyways, question of the day. Question of the day. What do you got for us? Are you ready? Okay. So, Lyle, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about tithe. Mm -hmm. What happens if you're too poor to pay tithe? Yeah, so a listener wants to know the answer to this question. What happens if you're too poor to pay tithe? Uh, Wrong. Okay. Yeah, wrong question. Wrong question? Wrong question. Oh. So the question is wrong. Why? You sh- it's the wrong question altogether. Um, okay, so basically it comes down to this. If you're too, pay to tithe, pay, too poor to pay tithe, don't pay tithe. Okay. Because the Bible says that God blesses, and this is Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, it says uh, God blesses and loves a cheerful giver. So there's no, no such thing as actually being p- too poor to t- pay tithe. Uh, when we ask the question, what if I am too poor to pay tithe or to return tithe, I should say. There's no such thing as paying tithe. What if I'm too poor to return tithe? It's the wrong question to ask because what that actually reveals is a resistance within our heart to return tithe. Mm. And regardless of whether we are poor or wealthy or otherwise, the response to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary is not going to be like, can I afford to do that or not? It's like, where can I do that? Mm. How soon can I do that? And I think the the example in the Bible of the widow and the widow's might. Now, might is like a one-cent piece. Some of us are old enough to remember one and two cent pieces here in Australia. They still have them in the United States. Do not ask me why. Um, and that's about the equivalent of it. And she throws two of those into the tithe chest, the Bible tells, at the temple. Jesus observes it and, of course, you know, through supernatural uh, ability that he received from his father, was able to know that she had just returned to God all of the money that she had. Mm. totally everything and she had done that out of her love and devotion to God and so when I see an example like that there's no such thing as being too poor to return tithe there is a situation of not having enough love in your heart for God to return tithe Mm. one of the greatest experiences that I had as a kid growing up was a year when we were incredibly poor as a family uh, we had a house to pay off. We had um, an extra mouth to feed because my cousin came to stay with us. We had um, been overseas on the mainland of Australia, mm. from Tasmania, um, for you know, about four months, uh, visiting my maternal grandparents in Western Australia. Um, and so when we got back, yeah, we were incredibly poor, like really, really dirt poor. It was 1980. And my mother was receiving about $5 a week to spend on housekeeping. That was to keep us fed and clothed and everything else. Mm. And my father was returning. He was actually returning double tithe. He just he loved the Lord. That's what he chose to do. And he's like, yeah, we're kind of poor right now. Maybe we should just make it one tithe. And so he did. He, you know, just cut it back to 
to one tithe. There's no requirement to return a double tithe. Mm. And uh, it was that month was the only time that we ever struggled financially. And his testimony was that, you know what, we, we better go back to returning a, the full tithe we were before, before we actually go broke. Mm. Um, he kept he kept books there for a while and then he stopped keeping uh, accounts because uh, we were spending significant, significantly more money each week than we were receiving. And, of course, this was in the day of a pay packet with cash in it. Mm. And the Lord was just multiplying what was in the pay packet. And he's like, I don't want to keep accounts on God. And, you know, as a young person growing up, this was a powerful testimony that really, really affected me uh, and was a an illustration of the power of God. The Bible says, take no thought for tomorrow. You know, don't worry about those things. God knows the things that you have need of, and he will provide for your needs. If he can provide the needs of a sparrow that is in the tree outside, he can provide for your needs as a human being because you are worth so much more than any sparrow. This is His Eye is on the Sparrow. Amen.
Well, our producer is just on the ball right here today. She just managed to know exactly where I was going to head with the answer to that question and pulled out the right song for the uh, question. So that's pretty awesome. Anyway, we've come to the end of our show. Unfortunately, super sad for us, Lawson and myself here, because we have enjoyed your company this morning. Yes, we have. Uh, But it does, there is super happy for us because we get to give you something. So get ready to give us a call. Be the first caller, 1-800-324-843. And this is coming your way. What have you got for us there, Okay. I have an incredible book. I have an incredible book, and I know it's incredible because I've read this book, and we sell it. We sell this book. Oh, you sell this book? Where at our juice bar. At your juice bar. There yes, you go. we sell this book. We promote this book because we think that this book is fantastic. This book is called U-Turn, Understanding, Preventing, and Reversing Lifestyle Diseases. This is an incredible health book. We sell this book you know, for, for decent amount of money. But you can give us a call on 1-800-324-843 and get this book completely for free. Absolutely. This is a fantastic book full of amazing health advice, um, you know, that basically, you know, prevents uh, you falling into the trap of lifestyle diseases. I know that this is a faith-based book, a lot of biblical principles of health in here as well. So, look, this is a book that you need to have. This is a book that you need to read. It needs to be on your shelf. It needs to be a guide. Well, you know, the Bible is our guide, but this is a fantastic guide to good health, especially in the place where we're living in Australia. So, yeah, 1-800-324-843. You can get this book completely for free. U-Turn. Give us a call right now, and you are going to get your copy of U-Turn. Of course, you know, the great thing about the Bible is that the Bible... Um, is the original book on lifestyle medicine. Yeah, wow. Lifestyle medicine has become popular in recent times. It's been around for many, 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 many millennia. Well, quite a few millennia. And you can read it all about it in the Bible. We also have a Bible course on health. If you would like to do our course on health, you can uh, give us a call. We can set you up with that with the Discovery Center. We've enjoyed your company. Look forward to it tomorrow.
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 